0: Good to see all of you and uh, bright and early, and you all look uh, very chipper and awake and uh, it's great to see all of you you know looking at that video i'm going to miss uh, some of those characters in the video, aren't you? You know when you think about that video, wouldn't it be cool if when you go into work tomorrow, you could see the weather climate of your coworker or your boss right there over his head wouldn't that be cool, you know and If you could see uh, your wife when you get home from work, what kind of weather climate's going on before you open your mouth, you'll you'll be able to know. You know, maybe in school, you'll be able to see your teacher's weather climate, what's going on up there, and you'll know whether you can get away with what and what you can do. That would be really cool. You know, it'd probably keep us out of a lot of trouble. But the reality in this whole series, and if this is your first time here, we're we're wrapping up a series today uh, called Climate Change, and it's all about relationships. We've been looking at relationships for the last few weeks, and uh, it's been very, very helpful for me personally. And I know I just want to encourage a lot of you that have gone after this, how much it's helped you. Uh, and, and I've heard some incredible stories about how this series has, has really helped people. And uh, we're going to wrap it up today. And, but before we do, if you're, this is your first time here, I just want to kind of bring you up to speed for the last three weeks, what we've been looking at. And, and what this series is about is that all of us have a collection of relationships. And each one of those relationships has a different climate associated with it. And there's something else about us. We have our own climate that we bring into the relationship. We bring our climate into work, to school. We bring it home from school, and it can change. And this whole point of this series is looking at this series from saying, hey, what is my climate? And that's what we looked at in the first week because this is the principle that we talked about and it overflows into the whole series. The climate of those relationships dictates the future. Meaning whatever climate's going on in my relationship right now, that's going to tell me what the future is. And we talked about with uncanny accuracy, you can tell what the future is going to be in a relationship based on what kind of climate's going on right now. And just by simply hoping it's going to change, it's not going to change. You have to deal with climate right now. And so in week one, we threw out this question. We, we, we talked about this principle also that, you know, all of us have at least one relationship that's in need of a climate change, if not more. And so we asked you, hey, go through and see which, which relationship in your life is in need of a climate change. And here's one of the facts that we don't realize and that we brought to the table in week one. You don't know what your climate is. You have no idea. And so we asked this question and and, and to go around and ask three people in three different settings of your life. What what was the question? Anybody remember? Exactly. Whatever you said. And I appreciate the fact that so many of you remember, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And for those of you that went and asked that question, wasn't it amazing how it kind of caught you off guard? I had no idea. Many of us who are smart and we've heard it before, we've asked people before, you know, but it gave you a perspective of what's it like to be on the other side of me. And so that was your homework in week one and it it really helped us. Then in in week two we looked at, you know, one of the significant climate shapers and changers in our lives insecurity and what we bring to relationships and we talked about this all of us all of us have insecurities don't we and what's it like to be on the other side of an insecure person it's incredibly complicated it's like walking on eggshells because every little thing you say and do can affect that relationship and it creates a very unstable climate and we talked about this the cure to insecurity is acceptance in week two. And if you haven't heard of these classes, I encourage you to go to our website. You can go back and listen to them. You can go back and watch them. They're incredibly helpful. And the cure to insecurity is acceptance. And this is the principle we looked at in, in week two the climate of our relationships improves when you see God, when you see you as God sees you. And that's huge for us. Because too often we look at ourselves the way other people see us and the way we, are, we see ourselves, and that's what creates insecurity. And that fear but God says I accept you and I love you and I want a relationship with you and it cures our insecurity that's what we looked at in week two and then in week three this was last week another climate shaper and influencer we talked about is conflict right you know what's amazing after last week there were some conflicts that arise during the week I don't know if that happened with you Maybe this is the normal thing and the conflicts are always going on, but I was much, much more aware and I was able to draw on some of the things from last week and go, hey, we're right in the middle of this. What perfect timing to deal with conflict. And we talked about there's two kinds of people in conflict, right? And you know who you are. Conflict avoiders, that's most of us, and conflict enjoyers. And we looked at two words for each of those people. We looked at for people who are conflict avoiders, what's the key word for them? Loyalty. Be loyal in the relationship because conflict avoiders, what their tendency is is to back away from the relationship and say, ah, I don't know if I want a relationship with this person and they become very isolated. And we're talking about loyalty is a key for you. And then for the conflict enjoyers, what do we talk about for them? What's the key word for them? Kindness, kindness, kindness. because People who are conflict enjoyers, I mean, they come in with guns loaded. And they're ready. They're ready for the conflict. They love the conflict. And we talked about what they need to practice is kindness. And that means listen first. Don't speak first. Listen first. Hey, let me understand you. And so that's what we looked at in week three. And we talked about this last week too is sometimes love requires that you fight for relationships. And if you fight for relationships, that means you will fight in relationships. And so conflict has sometimes a bad rap. It's a good thing because when you go through conflict well, what happens? The relationship gets better. The climate gets even better than it was before the conflict. And so we talked about how to fight well. So today we're going to talk about the video. We're going back to the video. And we're going to talk about the weather symbols. And, uh, you know, as we talked about, today we're going to talk about a significant climate shaper and influencer in our lives. And so I want to roll it out on you. What climate climate symbol do you think we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about this one. And this one is storm clouds. Storm clouds. Storm clouds are a significant climate shaper and influencer. What do I mean by this? What I mean by storm clouds is is that in life, you and I have expectations, don't we? We want things to go and end in a certain way, but reality kicks in. And what happens in reality? Things don't work out the way we want it. And the tendency is when things don't work out the way we want, when we have trouble, these clouds can move in over our heads. And these clouds can affect our relationships. You guys remember this person from Saturday Night Live? A very famous character. Her name was Debbie Downer, right? And Debbie Downer, wasn't it just amazing? They had one scene when they were in Disney World. And, you know, they're just having an awesome time. The, most, the happiest place in the world. And the whole family's there for a reunion. And they're all sitting at the table. And in comes Debbie. And she just unloads this terrible news, this, this bad thing. And then right after she's done saying her terrible news, you hear this noise. Okay, can we do that one more time? You guys got to help me out with the, the, the sound there. One more time. Here we go. All right, forget it, tried. Okay, the sound was wah, wah. And you know what it's like to be on the other side of Debbie Downer, right? I mean, you're in a hamburger joint and you've got a quarter pound bacon cheeseburger with fries. Yes. And Debbie Downer or Doug Downer comes out and says, you know, the number one cause of heart attack <laughs> is high cholesterol. And it's like, wah, wah. they just kill the moment. They kill it. Or, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you're having this, this awesome, and you don't have them that often, but you're having it, and you're having this, you know, triple scoop, chocolate, caramel, strawberry, sundae with all kinds of toppings, right? And you're sitting there, and you're about ready to go in, and Doug Downer shows up and says, you know, a lot of sugar can create diabetes. I mean, just kills it. Kills it, right? We all know what those people are like. And it's not fun to be on the other side of Debbie Downer and Doug Downer. How did Debbie Downer and Doug Downer get to where they are? Right here. Because all of us, all of us in our lives, all of us have expectations, aspirations. Things that we want to see happen in our lives. And I'm I'm not talking about a bad day. I'm not even talking about a bad week. I'm talking about when you bring these into the relationship consistently, week after week, month after month, even year after year. This changes the climate in your life and in all of your relationships. And when things don't work out the way you want There's disappointment. And when you bring these clouds of pessimism, cynicism, discouragement, negativity, bitterness, disillusionment into the relationship, it's really sad. Maybe you know somebody like that. But as we talk about climate change, we've got to deal with these storm clouds in our lives. And we've got to get God's perspective on storm clouds and their role in our lives, their purpose in our lives. And you might be the most, you know, upbeat, happy person you'll ever meet. This is significant for you. You know why? Because maybe it hasn't happened yet. Maybe you haven't gone through the the hardship. Maybe you haven't gone through the difficulty yet. But it's coming. That's the bad news today. And see, too many of us in our society today in the 21st century, we gear our life and we gear our focus and we gear our goals around trying to make life really good. And so when anything bad happens outside of our control, we don't know how to deal with this. And it sets in, and it can ruin our relationships. And it has a significant impact on our relationship. And and sometimes we don't even realize it, that it's happening. When this happens, when these come in and take over, we forfeit forfeit one of the most significant shapers that we need in our lives and in our relationships. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. One word. And that's hope. See, when you let storm clouds overshadow your life, disappointment, disillusionment, bitterness, when things don't work out the way that you want, hope is forfeited. And storm clouds take over your life. And you know the amazing thing about all of us? We've all got our stories, don't we? Look at this verse from the Bible. Just the very first half of the verse, Proverbs 13, verse 12. Here's what the Bible tells us. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Makes the heart sick. See, storm clouds. Hope deferred, when hope is pushed down, when hope is is lost, when you get so focused and so wrapped up on the disappointment in your life that things haven't worked out. I wanted a relationship. I wanted a child. I wanted this position at work. I wanted things to work out differently. I had expectations. I had goals. And it hasn't worked out the way I want it. Hope is deferred. Your hopes are deferred. What does it do to our hearts? It makes them sick. And a sick heart affects the climate of our relationships. It affects the climate of your life. And, I, you know, I want to key in on you, you, the younger group today, because you need to understand this. This is so important. And I think for, for the younger generation, we want things to be bright and shiny. The truth is we want this. We want this weather system and this weather symbol over our head, in our lives, all the time, 24-7. But we got to get real today. And the reality is, life's not like this. And some of you know really, really what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. These come into your lives. And we've all got our stories. You know, and... Something that happens to us is, you know, maybe we're single and, and, and we wanted, we had this dream that we're going to be married and in this relationship with somebody and it didn't work out. It broke up and then they turned around and married somebody else months later. And you had your hopes and your heart set on that relationship. And, and, and maybe you're a parent and you, you had this dream and this aspiration for your kids to turn out a certain way. And for them to be a certain, you know, in a certain situation in their lives. And then, and then what happened? It didn't work out the way you wanted. There was problems. There was challenges. And your kids went through problems. And guess what the effect it has on your heart? Or maybe you you started a business and you had these dreams and you wanted the business to go really well and you had a career and you had these dreams to climb the ladder and to reach a position and, and you got fired from the job. The business closed. It didn't work out the way you wanted. It makes the heart sick. This is a reality and it affects our relationships. You know, I was thinking about this and I go, you know, what was a time in my life Well, I went through this. And I can remember years ago when, you know, we went through a a challenge as a a family of churches, and there was a lot of there was a lot of mistrust. There was a lot of negativity. And, And me being a minister, I heard over and over again, we're not sure we can trust you now. I literally had people coming up to me and saying, you need to resign from the ministry. You need to step down. And I can remember Saturday evenings preparing for my lesson and having notes and having everything ready and then thinking, you know what? What good is this if people don't trust what I'm saying and who I'm, where I'm coming from? I came this close to quitting and giving up. It was sad. And my heart got sick because it went from having all these dreams and wanting God to do great things and wanting to be used by God and wanting to see a great dream a realized between all of us in and, and a fellowship and, and, and lives changed, families changed, and then we entered into a dark period. And I can remember, I can remember clearly the discouragement and I can remember clearly this feeling of disillusionment, discouragement, Depression and wanting to kick it in and quit you know maybe you think well that, that's nothing you need to hear my story maybe that's what you're thinking and that's true the fact of the matter is all of us have our stories we've all got our stories you guys here in the front you're going to have your stories and they're going to be tough stories But I believe today, if you get what we're talking about, and I don't mean to be Doug Downer here today, but I believe if we get what we're talking about today, because maybe this isn't where you are right now, but it's coming. It's coming. Life brings it. Reality brings it. Tough times come. And we need to know how to manage those tough times. So I would encourage you today, if you're not in this climate or you're in this situation, some of you are, you're right in the middle of it. This describes your situation right now, your emotional climate right now. This describes it. What you're going to hear today is how God uses these times to change us. And I look back at that season in my life when I went through that hard time and I realized what happened. I realized what God did through that time. And years later, to be standing here where I am now, seeing what God is doing and seeing the other side, you go, yes, God, I know. You do amazing things through hard times. So today we're gonna look at that. We're gonna go through and, and, and basically unpack what happens. And here's the, here's the phrase for today, the bottom line for today. When your dreams meet reality, when your dreams meet reality, choose hope. It's a choice. When your dreams meet reality, choose hope. Hope is something that you can't find everywhere. And I know for, for a lot of us, this sounds good. You know, you come to church and you want to hear about hope. And it's really easy for me to say this, say this to you today, the minister. That's what a preacher should say, right? Right? A preacher should say that. Keep hope alive. Right? That's what you should hear on Sunday. But it's very difficult for me up here to say that to you and your situation. And you go, well, that's a little unfair where you're coming from. Do you really understand my situation? Can you really relate to what I'm going through? And the truth is, I can't. But neither can you to somebody else's situation. But what we're going to see today is God understands. God understands. And there's somebody else who understands. So we're going to look at a verse here in the Bible. And, and here's, what, here's what God is attempting to do when these storm clouds move into our lives with disappointment. God is up to something. God is up to something very powerful. And sometimes when we go through the most difficult times of our lives, God can take us to a whole nother level in our faith and in our relationships, if we'll let him. God is attempting to build hope in you and in your life when you go through it. And, you know, sometimes when we come to church and we come and hear these things, and if you you come to church infrequently, you hear these things, we think, well, you know, that's not really reality. What you're talking about today is not reality. I want you to understand a principle today. We're not denying reality. We're choosing to deal with reality. And if you're stuck in the dark place, what I'm telling you today is you're not dealing with reality. Yes, you are in reality. You're talking about reality. Reality's on your sleeve. But you're not dealing with it. You're stuck in it. And today we have the opportunity to really deal with it. And that's what followers of of Jesus do. They deal with reality so they can be different so they can change and it's a very 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 powerful thing so today this is what we're going to do we're going to see the hope building process that God uses we're going to unpack it and see how God uses difficulties in our lives to build hope in our lives so get ready because today I believe this could be something so significant in your life, whatever you're going through and whatever you're going to go through in the future. Because you're going to know how to manage it. And you're going to ma- know how to go to the next level in your life and in your relationships. I'm going to give you a challenge today. And that challenge is fight for hope. Fight for hope. See, see hope's not going to just show up. It's something that you and I have to fight for. Just like we talked about last week. Some relationships are worth fighting for. Let me tell you, hope is worth fighting for. You know why? Because you're important. You're important. Your life is too valuable. Your life is too significant to get caught in this. To get imprisoned by the storm clouds. And you know what else? The people in your life... Are counting on you. They're counting on you to get out of this and move on to hope. God can help you get there. God can move you. So I want to encourage you today. That's going to be your one challenge. Fight for hope. No matter what your situation. So let's, let's, we're going to look at a, a very well-known verse. Maybe I can get someone in the, in the back to help me with the clicker because we're not <laughs> responding We're going to look at Romans chapter 5. Thank you. And we're going to look at verse verse 2, if you could bring that up. And I'm going to ask you to to stay back there for for some reason. We're not working here. But in verse 2, this is what Paul talks about. And this is kind of the breakdown of how it works. It says here in verse 2 of Romans chapter 5, it says, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our what? sufferings, in other words, disappointments, challenges, when we go through hard times, because we know what happens. We know that suffering produces perseverance. Next slide, again. Perseverance, character, and character, here's the word that we like, hope, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Hope does not disappoint us. Next slide. So here's what we're going to look at today, and we're going to break this down and, and, and look at what, what's the progression of things. You and I, all of us, have expectations. And these expectations sometimes aren't realized. Sometimes they are. Sometimes you get married. Sometimes you have children. Sometimes you get the job. Sometimes you get the promotion. Sometimes things work out exactly the way you want it. But then, what happens when they don't? The next thing happens. Next slide. Suffering comes in. Disappointment. Next slide. So, here's a choice that we make. Many people in suffering, they get stuck. Many people... They didn't get the job that they applied for. The interview went through, but they didn't get the job that they wanted. They try a couple more interviews, one or two, but the disappointment is so significant. The suffering is so so significant that they quit. And they choose to stay here. And then the work is not finished. God's work is not finished. But what God is saying and what Paul is saying here is is this is how God uses challenges in our lives. We go from expectations, then they're not realized, we go through suffering, the perseverance, this is something that we decide to do, to persevere. And we're gonna break this down more, then next slide. Then what perseverance does, when you decide to persevere, character is formed, character is formed. And this means an inner strength that you have to get through things, even though the circumstances around your life are saying, no, stop, lay down, give up, quit, you form character. And you get stronger. And you become a better man, a stronger woman. And you have something that few people have, character. And then the last thing, hope. This is powerful. This is powerful. When you have a deep sense of hope. And, and what we're not going to be just talking about is getting through life here. We're talking about getting to the other side today, which is, is significant. And so today, let's go to the next slide. We're going to look at an example and something that I, I, I realized when I was going through this whole process of how God uses hardship Almost everybody in the Bible goes through this. Abraham went through it. Moses went through it. David went through it. Esther went through it. Almost everybody in the Bible went through that process. And today we're going to look at even Jesus went through this process. See, because God doesn't want us to think, well, I'm teaching you, but I don't understand. I can't relate. No. He sent Jesus so that you and I could understand he relates. He relates. So let's look at the story of Jesus. It says here in Mark chapter 1, verse 10, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, this is his baptism day. What an awesome day. One of the most incredible days of his life. And when he came up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. Now, you can back up. Thank you, Adrian. I think I got it. You know, when you think about that Okay, Adrian, you can stop. I think I got it back. But when you think about this day for Jesus. This is an incredible day, but let's let's weigh in on the expectations. What were the expectations here? Could you imagine? You come up out of the baptistry heaven is torn open and God's voice booms out you are my son and you I am well pleased talk about expectations gigantic expectations you are going to be the savior of the world and you're my son and I'm so proud of you the expectations were pretty high on this day And we look in verse 12. At once, so right after his baptism, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals. Now, my question is this. Who sent Jesus out into the desert? God did. The Spirit, yes, but God did, right? Right? It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't, and when we say the desert, when he was sent to the desert, we're not talking Palm Springs, okay? Sometimes we think that the desert's a retreat place, you know, where they got hot springs and it's it's, it's a retreat, it's a getaway. No, we're not talking about that kind of desert. We're talking about a desert of suffering. And in another version it says, in another place in the Bible, it says that Jesus... He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days. You know, it's hard for me to go four hours fasting. Can you imagine 40 days of fasting in the hot desert? And it says here that he was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. I mean, right after your baptism, you're thrown into the situation of what? Suffering. What was God up to? Why right after? Why couldn't he just go out and start preaching? Why right after his baptism? Because God was doing something that he does with you and me. And I got to say this, some of us don't like to look at God like this. See, we don't want to see God that he's going to send us into suffering, that he's going to send us into suffering and challenges and hardship. And he's going to allow that to happen because we want to see God in a positive light. No, God wants to bless me. God wants to help me. And you don't realize that God has a bigger plan. This isn't about, you know, chocolate syrup and frosting. Got a, God's got a huge plan to forge something powerful in you, in your life. But this is what happened. And then this this last verse, he was with the wild animals. What does that mean? Any idea? I have no idea what that means. He was with the wild animals. But what I do know is this it wasn't a picnic. You know, it wasn't sitting next to the the the, the coyotes and you know just chilling with you know like Rover or your, your pets. No, that's not what this is about. Wild animals. It was an intense situation. And then it says this. And the angels attended to him. See, and this is usually what happens. We're going to unpack this, but the progression of things is, is when you go through suffering and you you allow it to happen and you understand what happens, then God, then God sends you his help. And he gives you a hand. And then in Verse 14. After John was put in prison, now this is after, right after Jesus' desert retreat, he comes back and after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Now, what's going on in the ministry since Jesus came back from his retreat? His cousin who baptized him is put in prison. What's that tell you about the climate of his ministry that he's walking into? It's harder. The stakes are higher. It's dangerous. It's not like it was before. They've got got John in prison and they're gonna kill him. He's not getting out. He's not gonna be released on bail. And then it says here, Jesus went out into Galilee proclaiming the good news. Here's what Jesus said after his desert experience. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What do you hear from Jesus? What's overflowing from him after his desert experience? There's a deeper conviction. There's a deeper hope. And there's a deeper, deeper built-in sense of I am with God and God is with me. See, what he went through in the desert was able to forge in him something powerful, something deep because he allowed it to do that to him. That desert experience drove Jesus to the point where he was able to go through the cross, through the hardship, through the the rejection, and die on the cross for you and I. And even be resurrected on the third day. And he went through this process. Even Jesus went through this process. God forged hope in Jesus. And you say, well, no, Jesus Jesus already had hope. I mean, he was with God in the beginning. No, you've got to understand, the Bible even mentions this. In Hebrews chapter 5, it said, Jesus even went through things here on earth so that he could grow, so that he could understand. And I believe it's so he could relate to what we go through. That carnal challenge that we face when things aren't going the way we want, when it's difficult, when it's hard, and we go through challenges. See, God forged hope, and it was a built-in forged hope. Not something superficial, not something flighty like, oh, yeah, I have hope. No, I'm saying something powerful, something deep, something intense. And this is what hope, the hope that he had, your heavenly father is with you. He was with you in the desert, and guess what? He's gonna be with you now. He's gonna take you through the challenges. And if you're a guest here with us today, this is the position that God wants to have in your life. But it's your responsibility to reach up and reach out. See, God doesn't want a superficial feel-good relationship. He wants something deep. He wants something powerful, something that, that, that you can't explain but it's personal and it moves you in the direction of challenge and you embrace challenge. You see, when there's hope, these go away. When there's hope, these go away. And you've seen this, haven't you? Have you ever seen someone go through a challenge, a significant challenge? Have you ever seen someone on their deathbed and instead of this, Instead of this, you see this. Have you ever seen that? Where does this come from? Hope. A deep, forged in hope. That they realize this phrase that we just saw, God is with me. I don't like this situation that I'm in, but God is with me through it. And that's what he's trying to do for us. That's what he is up to in our lives as he's trying to, to bring us into this relationship. And guess when we have hope, it creates a healthy heart. Even though you go through hardship, even though you've got difficulties in your life, you can still have a healthy heart, which is powerful. Circumstance doesn't have to corrupt and contaminate your life and your relationships. And too many of us have excused ourselves. Well, I had a really rough upbringing. I had a really rough situation. Hey, you know your story. But the truth of the matter is, have you moved on? Have you you tried? Have you fought for hope? Have you allowed God to use your circumstance to make you stronger, to make you better, to do what Jesus did, to do what all the, the great men and women in the Scriptures have done? And you may feel like I'm asking you a lot, but what we're going to talk about here in a little bit it's so, so powerful. It's so significant. And so it's this. When your dreams meet reality, choose hope. It's a choice. Choose hope. And again, what I said earlier, this isn't just about you. This is about the people in your life. Because not only when you don't choose hope, when you you allow clouds to to, to take over, it's not just affecting you, it's affecting all of your relationships. And you can't allow that. If you truly love people, you have to move on. So we're gonna break down this process of what happens when we go through, and we're going back to the Romans, the Romans chapter five verses. And so in this process, here's, what, here's our part. Here's what we do in this process. And, and basically unpacking, how do I get to hope as the Bible describes it? We have our expectations. We go through suffering. We're in the suffering. What's our choice? To trust. This is what Jesus did on many, many occasions is he decided God I trust you. This doesn't feel good. I'm not enjoying this. This is very hard. This is very difficult, but I'm deciding I'm going to trust you. I'm putting my trust in you versus my circumstances. And that's what all these, these men did. Then you move into perseverance. After you've made that decision to trust God, and it's not once, it's, it's every day. What do you do after that? Then. Perseverance means this. Practically speaking, you get up, you dust yourself off, you don't allow yourself to be held down by circumstance, and you decide, do the next right thing. Perfect example. You didn't get the job. Do the next right thing. What is that? Go apply somewhere else. You've got a failed relationship. It didn't work out the way you wanted. Do the next right thing. Get back in there. Try again. Don't give up. Well, Christianity hasn't worked for me. Because it's it's not turned out the way I wanted. I thought it was going to be a blessing. I thought God was going to help me. See, he's trying to take you through this process to change you. And many of us today, we got a 21st century mentality where we want everything to be nice. Candies and spice. It doesn't work that way. God loves you more. And everybody you know, that somebody you respect and is strong and is, is, they reached another level, they went through this. And they're strong people, they're powerful people. And so do the next thing, do the next right thing after you, when you decide to persevere. And then character, after you form character, this is when God steps in. That takes us back to that verse. When Jesus was in the desert, what happened? Then the angels attended to him. I can tell you this. It's happened to me on many occasions. When I persevered, then I saw God do something amazing. I can can remember many times when I chose to do the right thing, to trust him, then God. Then you got the job. Or maybe everything didn't work out the way, but your perspective changed. And you go, wow, I now understand what you're trying to do, God. And and then you see his power, you see his glory, and you see what he's up to. And it's inspiring. And then, hope. You have hope. A very, very, very powerful hope. When your heart is set on hope, it creates a healthy heart. When your heart is set on hope, it creates a healthy heart. And you know some of these people. You look at their life and you go, this makes no sense that they have this positive attitude. Their heart is set on hope, not on circumstance. And they went through this process. And guess what else happens? The climate of your relationships change. It improves. It gets better. And you can have great relationships through hard circumstances. So today, you've got a choice. You say, well, that sounds really good. What are your options? Here are your options today. You can fight for hope and stay here. Or, or not fight for hope and just let give in to your situation and stay right here. Or you can fight for hope and move over to here. That's what's at stake here. That's what the options are. To me, it's a no-brainer, because when you fight for hope, God changes you. Your perspective changes. But when you give in to storm clouds, it's a, it's a downward spiral. It's a dead end. And many people choose to stay there. So I want to encourage you today to fight for hope. When your dreams when your dreams meet reality, choose hope. That's what I want to ask you to do today. When your dreams haven't worked out the way that you wanted, choose hope. It's your choice what you do. And I believe this. And if you talk to enough people who've been through it, when they look back at that season in your life, that desert retreat that you went through, you can look back at that season in your life and say, I now understand what God was up to. I now understand what was going on, what was at stake. And you'll look back at that season, you'll have understanding, you'll be inspired, and you say, God, now I see what you're doing. I see what you did. Thank you for taking me through that because I'm so much better off. My perspective, my appreciation, my relatability to people who go through hardships, my compassion level, everything's changed. My love and my relationships is so much deeper. I went through that season. And my faith in you is so much greater because of that season that I went through in my life. So I'm going to ask you to do this today. Real simple. Fight for hope. And I would encourage you to have some conversations, some get vulnerable conversations with people where you talk about the disappointments, that you unpack what's going on and where you're at, that you really deal with your disappointment, your disillusionment, your bitterness, that you get it out there, stop faking it. Stop acting like everything's okay because everybody knows, people around you know this. They know that you're walking around very unhappy. And I gotta say this too. Some of you, you've got a chip on your shoulder And people know it. You're not a happy person. And you say, well, that's just the way I'm wired. You didn't wire you. God wired you. And God wired you so that you wouldn't live here in this climate. This is temporary if you choose. God wired you to be this. He wired you to be. But this doesn't depend on circumstance. If this is really truly there, if you're truly happy, if you're truly on, this doesn't depend on circumstance because circumstance is up and down. This depends on a deeper significance to your life, a relationship with God. It's something powerful. It's deep that you can even face death with this perspective. See, because understand this, we're all gonna die. That's right. It's all gonna end, all this is gonna end. How are you gonna approach that? And maybe, maybe, God, maybe God has allowed you to go through these hardships and these challenges in your life so that you can understand it's not about here and now. Right. This is temporary, this is, this is not gonna last. I'm moving on to something greater. God's got a bigger plan, a better plan. You know, this past week, one of our sisters passed away. Barbara Hawkenhall. But she's moved on. She fought the good fight. And this is going to happen more for us. But if we fight for hope, we can embrace death and realize it's just the beginning. This is what we fought for our whole life to be in a right relationship with God. The other option is, storm clouds here, storm clouds later, because there's no hope. Your hope is gone, you forfeited it. You turned in your hope card and exchanged it for disappointment and bitterness and discontentment. That's no way to live. So we're gonna close out. How badly does God want this for us? This is how bad in Romans chapter 5. See, you and I, we go through hardships. We go through difficulty. And this verse speaks directly to that. It says, you see, just at the right time, what time was it? A time of need, a time of dire need. At that time, when we were still powerless, we couldn't change our circumstances. We couldn't get forgiveness. We couldn't get out of our situation. It says here... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated, demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were without hope, Christ died for us. Well, we're about to celebrate right now the communion. There is not a greater message of hope than what we're about to celebrate. This is how much hope Jesus wants us to have. That at our moment of most dire need, he reaches down, he reaches out, and he helps us up. That's what we're going to celebrate now. So I don't know your situation. If you've been living here... I would encourage you to reach up and reach out to God and ask him for your help, for his help in your situation. Ask him for forgiveness for getting stuck here and ask him for a hand up so you can get out of here. And I would encourage all of us to have conversations with each other, to get help. God is on our side. At just the right moment, he wants to help us up. Let's pray for the communion. Father, we thank you today that we could look at our relationships and and be honest about the quality of those relationships these last four weeks. But, God, we pray that today as we celebrate the communion, that we can celebrate the hope that you have for us through Jesus, through his death on the cross, Thank you, God, that you laid down your life for us to give us hope, to let us know we can trust you the same way Jesus trusts you, hanging on the cross, bleeding, suffering. He trusted you. And God, in that trust, we want to have trust in you through our hardships, through our challenges. God, we pray that you'll please forgive us for allowing circumstances to dictate our climate, our discouragement, even our bitterness. Please forgive us, God, and heal us and help us to let go of that stuff so we can have hope. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. We lift him up at this time. We remember him and all that he went through so that we can have hope today. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.